0: The National Broadcasting Company presents The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Sam Spade,
1: Detective Agency. Me, sweetheart. Sam. A man named $5 Frankie called up and said he's putting $2 in your name on a sure thing at some track or other.
2: Well, that's nice to hear. I
1: don't think it is at all. You know I don't approve of your gambling, Sam. Effie,
2: you do some things I disapprove of, but do I snipe at you? Well, no, but... No buts about it. And besides, I didn't place the bet. It was placed for me.
1: I don't care. It's the principle of the thing I don't like. Well,
2: suppose I put it this way, Effie. That $2 bet on a sure thing was more than just a money bet. It was a gamble on the inherent goodness of the human soul. Oh,
1: Sam, you're just... Trying to confuse me. I am, but
2: I'll straighten everything out to your satisfaction, I trust, when I appear at the office with a highly stylized and rather charming saga of horse players and the world they live in. What else but the sure thing caper?
0: For NBC, William Spear, radio's outstanding producer, director of mystery and crime drama, brings you the greatest private detective of them all. In the adventures of Sam Spade. Effie! Oh,
2: look,
3: I'm
2: yeah. here, Sam. Yes, and I hope you always are at the wages I pay you. Oh, I'm
1: glad you brought that up, Sam. When I pay them. I don't want to start an argument, but I do need some new clothes. Oh? You want me to put up a, a good front, don't you?
2: I will rephrase my answer. Yes. Well? Effie, if you can hold Warp and Wolf together for a few weeks, I have a feeling we'll be rolling in dough, driving big cars and wearing mink. Oh, you
1: mean that, best? All conjecture.
2: Enough of your sneering. May you hear me out. Weigh the evidence, and maybe you'll feel differently.
1: I doubt it. No good comes of playing the horses.
2: Date, fill it in. Two $5 Frankie, care of... uh. Sam,
1: wait a minute now. Hmm? $5 Frankie, what? What's his last name?
2: I don't think he has one, F. As I get it, he was born just before a gold cup handicap at Pimlico, and they didn't have time to give him a last name and place a bet, too. So they chose the bet. Oh,
1: Sam, that's awful. What do
2: you mean, awful? That horse paid 18 to 1. Well, well, to get on, two $5 Frankie, care of Patterson Smoke Shop, Myrtle Street City, from Samuel Sucker Spade, San Francisco, license number 137596. Subject, the sure thing caper. Dear $5 Frankie... For you to be seen at the hour of 1 p.m. post-time anywhere but at the track is truly a veritable, unbelievable occurrence. So when my door pivoted open Monday at said hour and a short gent with 36 shoulders and a 44-long plaid coat came in, my eyes told me it was you, but my mind screamed no. I checked your wide-brim pork pie, your Zoot Gabardine slacks, suede and alligator wing fit shoes,
3: and it still repeated you, you, you. Sammy, do not look as if you have just lamped the ghost. It is I, $5 Frankie. But at this hour, Frankie, what is it? Your watch broken? Did you lose your way? Your sleepwalking? What? No, Sam. I am in complete possession of my faculties. Good. And I came here with the full knowledge of my intellect. Uh I even see through the crystal of my timepiece that it is 1 o'clock the hour from which they break from the barrier. That's right. But I have not been drinking, and as far as sleepwalking, that is strictly for gents with unhappy marital relationships.
2: All right, Frankie, I'm forced to agree with you that you're standing in front of me instead of the $5 window. Now, what's the dope?
3: Well, ordinarily, I do not resort to hiring a strong arm to consummate my business dealings. Naturally. There being a full supply of such muscles lying around the back room of Patterson's smoke shop. Loose. But when the job calls for both tact and muscle... I am forced to roam far abroad in search of the same.
2: You mean you have a job for me? A real honest to biscuit job that'll pay money?
3: Well, uh, with the ordinary Seamus, I might try to offer a little paddock chatter, you know? Yes. But would you, Sammy, would you, I will tender coin of the realm. Good. I will pay you, of course, in $5 bills, as is my wont.
2: In advance? Ten,
3: twenty, thirty, 20, 30, 50. 10 times 5. Figures. Now, do you veritably consider yourself in my employ? I am
2: veritably in the race, Frankie.
3: Good. Now, Sammy, leave it to be understood by both parties that I am not pouting you off on any sour deals. Mm-hmm. A rather curious situation has arisen, and I will explain it to you candidly, as they say in certain novels which I have not read.
2: Well, most novels lose so much in the translation.
3: True, true. Yeah. My narrative begins yesterday, to be exact. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, there heels and toes into the back room of Patterson's smoke shop, a gent whose face was once as familiar to me as my own. By name, said gent? They call him a Gentle Joe Higgins. Gentle Joe. Yeah, a horse trainer by profession, uh-huh. which in our civilized society stands second only to jockeys in importance.
2: Granted, granted, no argument.
3: Well, I say to Gentle Joe, it has been some time, Gentle Joe, since I see you around and about. Uh-huh. And he says, I have gave up the old life for the new, uh-huh. as I no longer am welcome at the track since a certain embarrassing incident five years ago.
2: What incident was that, Frankie?
3: A horse doping job, the illegal type, oh. which, uh, Depresses me to relate. Mm-hmm. So I will not. Ethics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Gentle Joe looks a little worse for the wear. His clothing being literally shabby. Mm-hmm. Well, I figure a touch. And I am preparing a story that will wring tears from a tax collector even. But... But Gentle Joe does not mention the word touch. Uh-huh. Oh. Instead, he announces he has a sure thing. Uh-huh. Sammy, you know how those words do to a horse play.
2: It's like throwing a bale of catnip to a lion.
3: Oh, my arteries open to let the blood through faster. My, 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 my nerves give off loud ringing noises, and my mind is already computing. Of course. Well, before I can stop myself, I have pressed 500 rocks in Gentle Joe's hand, begging him to place them on the same sure thing.
2: I'd have done the same thing under the circumstances.
3: Of course. But Gentle Joe says it will take at least 1,500 rocks... To pull off the deal. Oh. He further advises me that the horse in question is due to retain 20 rocks to one.
2: So you gave him the other towels?
3: Well, not having it in my jeans at the time, I cut two other business and professional friends in on the grave. Mm-hmm. Dinosaur Torelli and Bones Moulton. Five bills a piece. And then? Gentle Joe rushes out of Patterson's and... Has never
2: been heard from again.
3: A sad tale.
2: You think he just stole the money?
3: Sam, Gentle Joe Higgins is a horse player, not a common sneak thief. I'm sorry. Sorry.
2: But uh, did he leave town?
3: He did not. On the advice of certain informers, I tracked this Gentle Joe to a ramble shackle rooming house on Clark Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, 241, to be exact. And? And there the trail gets very cold. Very cold indeed. He's made his move, huh? No, no, no. But... Oh. He had a landlady who would not let me in.
2: Complicated. Oh,
3: she is a frightening person to behold. Hmm? She is indeed half wildcat and half witch. I'll deal with her. Good, And uh, tell Gentle Joe that I am not an overly suspicious person, but uh, also relate to him my position. Hmm? Uh Dinosaur Torelli and Bones Moulton are two such gents as it is wise not to cross. Rough. Back fence gossip has it they are the undertaker's best friends. Well... Indeed, it is also rumored they are behind their quota for the month. Mm. Well, oh, and uh, Sam. Yeah? At Bay Meadows. Yeah? A bad card. Nothing going today.
2: Oh. (laughs) In preparation for my meeting with this redoubtable landlady, I ran through my repertoire of low, mean faces in front of the mirror, leaving smoking holes in the glass. And then I stamped out, heading for the rooming house on Clark Street. 241, to be exact. My knock was answered by... Well, it was even worse than you told me. She was gumming a sen-sen.
1: What are you standing there for? You're shaking my geraniums.
2: Oh, no. Well, sir... Speak
1: up, speak up, Curly. I ain't got old days.
2: Madam, perchance do you house in this quaint colonial inn a fine old gentleman called Gentle Joe Higgins? You
1: the lord?
2: No, I'm in business for myself. You see this?
1: Oh, one thing I hate worse than the law is private detectives. Hmm. Can't trust them. No. Nope. Cheap, never have any money. Hey, uh, look. Never want to pay anything. Yes, look. Always want something for nothing. You. A surely no good lot of pocket pickers who should all be boiled in oil right and there. thrown in a pit full of snarling uh, One moment, spray. madam.
2: Madam, look at this. Oh,
1: yeah. Well. <laughs> That's the kind of crinkling I'd like to hear.
2: <laughs> thought you would.
1: Wouldn't mind having a mattress stuffed full of that green paper earlier. <laughs> it is
2: a pleasure, distinctly, to be able to present it to such a charming, witty, and gay woman, I guess, as yourself. Now, uh... Come
1: in, come in, bright eyes.
2: Yes, now, uh, where did you say Gentle Joe could be located? Second
1: door to the left.
2: Thank you, kindly.
1: Only he ain't in. Going out somewhere, yes.
2: Your timing, madam, and I should add Defarge, was a little sadistic. Now, give me my five back.
1: You ain't heard my proposition yet. I've
2: heard enough. Madam, you have acted in a very hateful manner.
1: <laughs> Another five, I'll let you wait in his room.
2: Madam, you are a Dresden dow. no matter what anybody says.
1: Can the tanner away, relax locks, and let's go. <laughs> let's have a ball. <laughs>
2: Once in Gentle Joe's room, I closed the door, thus separating myself from that skid row bankhead. While I was waiting, I cased the room. Spartan. A bed, a chair, a dresser, a racing form. Some worn clothes, various mementos, and pictures of his better days at the track. I was studying an old print of equipoise when Gentle Joe turned up.
4: Uh, Yes, she was a great stretch runner, wasn't she? Uh (laughs) Yes, indeed, a mile and 141 and 5th, and hardly damp at the end. Well,
2: I, uh, he, <laughs> yes, yes. Now, don't, yes. don't look
4: upset, Mr. Spade. Mm-hmm. Fanny, Fanny told me that you were a detective waiting for her. Oh, she's a swell kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Fanny's impetuous, but a good sort. Yeah, <laughs> Keeps the right people out and lets the wrong ones in. <laughs> Fine judge of character. No,
2: you're generous, sir.
4: I'm, uh, about to have a cup of tea. Will you join me? Be
2: delighted. I'll,
4: uh, just take the water out of the tap. <laughs> it's hot <hard> enough. <laughs>
2: well, well, gentle Joe, I'm, uh... I'm here on a rather painful mission.
4: Now, in goes the tea. Uh,
2: $5 Frankie thinks you caged him out of $1,500.
4: And now for the water.
2: And uh, two tough friends of his are looking for your scalp.
4: Yeah, there we are. Uh, now, we'll just let that steep a while, and we'll have us a pickup.
2: Did you hear anything I said?
4: Well, of course, Mr. Spiff, of course. Every word. I know why you're here. Those men are worried about their money. Yeah. But the next time you see them, you tell them not to worry. You
2: well, know, they said uh, this sure thing of yours was going to return 20 to 1 odds. That's a lot of money.
4: Oh, it will. It will. All of that. Maybe even many times more. Yeah, yes, it It's a sure thing.
2: You mean the race hasn't been run off yet?
4: Yeah, there we are now. I think the tea should be ready. Well. Mm-hmm. Now, this is yours. Thank you. And this is mine. Hmm? Ah. <clears throat> ah, a Darjeeling flowering pico. There's no finer tea.
2: Has an almond flavor.
4: Yes, it's peculiar to the region, mm-hmm. especially pronounced in last year's crop.
2: Yes. Well, um, shall we get back to business?
4: Yes. Now, you tell those gentlemen that they have no need to fret about their money. It'll be returned to them many times over, many, many times over. Well, <laughs> are you feeling all right, Mr. Spain? Uh, groggy, I They'll look back on this investment with considerable pleasure and pride. I don't know what's And happened. someday they'll be able to say, They too.
2: Stupid Sam. Nobody had to give me a saliva test to guess what happened. That nice, sweet, gentle old man had doped me right up to the ears. I tried to stand up, but my legs were like two wet pieces of spaghetti, and I went down. Gentle Joe went right on talking and smiling until everything was nothing. When I came to, Joe was gone, and so was my faith in horse people. Fanny had made herself scarce, too, and I stumbled alone out into the daylight for resuscitation. It took walking, coffee, whiskey, and a bowl of raspberries to bring me around. I eventually found a safe haven in my own office. Sam Spade, Detective Agency. Miss. Mr. Hangover
4: speaking. Uh, Mr. Spade, this is General Joe.
2: What? Listen, you... Uh, are... I,
4: I know, I know how upset you must be over my little deception. Little but this, deception? It was what? all to a good purpose, Mr. Spade. You see, I had to get yeah. out of there in a hurry with the minimum of discussion. I seem to
2: remember you were hot out of the racing game for doping a few three-year-olds.
4: Well, that's what some people in official circles felt. But, Mr. Spade, I want to apologize to you and tell you that I will be able to explain everything to your satisfaction. No... What's
2: the matter? Help! Get away! Ah! Hello? 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 Somebody put the phone back on the hook, so I hung up and dialed a friend at the telephone exchange. She quickly traced the number. The call came from the Sunset Stables out near Bay Meadows. I dialed back, but nobody answered, so I beat it out there. It was dark, and the only person I could rouse was a young stable boy. Yeah, what do you want? My name's Spade. A guy named General Joe was calling me from here, and something happened to him. Dental Joe Higgins? That's what I said. Oh, I haven't seen him in two or three years. Now, look, don't give me that. He called from here. Now, where is he?
1: Oh, look, Peter,
2: will you, before I scream for the cops? All right, I'll look myself.
3: Oh, I say you can't. Now, no.
2: But I did. There were two phones inside the stable, both hanging on posts. The second one had the number the phone company had given me. And although someone had tried to cover it up with sawdust, on the floor, under the phone, were three tea bags... And somebody had done a lot of bleeding. Looked like Gentle Joe's parlay had run out.
0: You are listening to the weekly adventure of radio's most famous detective, Sam Spade. chimes mean good times on NBC. There's music and mystery on NBC every Saturday night. For music tomorrow, your hit parade brings you the top tunes in the land as selected by you and presented by Raymond Scott's orchestras, Nookie Lanson and Eileen Wilson. For mystery tomorrow, Herbert Marshall stars as The Man Called X. In all the strange and far-off places of the world, wherever there is intrigue, danger, and romance, there you will find The Man Called X. Hear him tomorrow night and now back to the sure thing caper Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade I
2: called the stable boy and questioned him About the blood under the phone And about what could have happened to General Joe Higgins Nothing Just wouldn't talk And he was too small to beat up So I went looking for the stable manager He lived in a small white house Behind the exercise ring He wasn't too happy at being awakened, but when I explained things, he came down to the stable with me. I can't understand him, Mr. Spade. General Joe Higgins hasn't been around here for at least two years. That's what the boy told me. You see, for doping a horse once, he can't come near a track or a stable. We let him hang around here, the racing commission would find us. Well, he called from here and something happened to him. The number the phone company gave me matches up with one of your phones. There was a lot of blood on the floor, too. Well, here we are. Now, which phone was it? That one. All right, let's look at it. This is the phone, and here is the... Wait a minute. Come in here, you.
3: Take off me, you go.
2: Now, tell Mr. Kemp here what was on the floor when I came in.
3: Nothing. Nothing but
2: soda. I tell you, there was blood there. No, no, honest. Nothing. Mr. Spade, this boy's been with me for five years. He's perfectly reliable. Well, so am I. Well, what do you think happened? I think somebody used this old man for a punching bag. Maybe you'd better go home and sleep on it, Mr. Spade. We'll talk about it tomorrow. But don't humor me. Make this kid talk. Mr. Kemp, this guy's tappy. Danny... Are
0: you certain there was no blood or no Gentle Joe? Mr. Kemp, I'd swear on my father's
2: grave if necessary.
0: You see, Mr. Spade?
2: I calmed down in a little while and searched the place myself. I came up with exactly nothing but an attack of hay fever and a horsey smell. And I suddenly wondered why I cared about Gentle Joe at all after what he'd done to me. So I went home and called $5 Frankie.
3: You say you have conviced with Gentle Joe?
2: Twice, and both under rather trying circumstances, Frankie. Once I was doped and once something happened to him.
3: Uh-huh. I take it he did not heed the message I employed you to convice.
2: So far, he hasn't heeded anything.
3: Uh, then he is without a doubt in considerable trouble. I would say so. It seems that my business associates, Dinosaur Porelli and Bones Moulton, have blown their tops and gone looking for Gentle Joe with something special in mind. Mm-hmm. Something like assassination.
2: I was afraid of that.
3: Mayhaps they have already contacted Gentle Joe for an accounting.
2: Certainly mayhaps. I think they've already mowed him down.
3: And there is nothing further for us to converse about, Sam. It is history, and it will be recorded thusly.
2: Well, if you say so.
3: And if I might tender a bit of advice, Mm -hmm. I would say hop into the Simmons, Sammy, and knock yourself off a few hours of that ever-loving forgetfulness. And when you arise, you will have erased from your mind the names of Gentle Joe Higgins and yours truly $5 Frankie for some time to come.
2: I was tired, and it seemed smart to take his advice. So I did. I went to bed. It must have been three in the morning when something woke me up. It was a ghost with a big white head tiptoeing into my room. The thought was so absurd that I turned over and started back to sleep. That's when the ghost touched me, and I grabbed for him. Wait,
4: hey, let me go, Mr. Spade. Let me go. It's me, General Joe. Or will
2: I turn on a light? <laughs>
4: Of course, I look a little different. The bandages around my head look like a turban. What happened to you? I was in Mr. Kemp's house when you were searching the stable. Stupid me. I should have come out then, but I didn't. Mm. And then I got to thinking I certainly owed you some kind of an explanation. So I found your address and came here.
2: All right, I'll collect the explanation. Now, first, what was the dope for?
4: Well, I was afraid you might take me back to $5 Frankie and his friends before I did what I had to do.
2: Would you care to tell me what that was?
4: I... Wanted to buy a horse.
2: With their money?
4: Yes, with their money.
2: They thought you were betting it on a horse, a sure thing. I
4: know, I know, but let me explain. I was thrown off the tracks for doping a horse. I needed money, but that's, that's another story. After five years, I could get my trainer's license back. Tell me more. Do you know what it is to love horse flesh and not be able to go near it for five years?
2: No, the bangtail bug never got me. You can't con guys like Frankie and his thugs out of some money to buy a horse whenever you want one.
4: There's more to the story. The horse I doped didn't get into the race. And the jockey had to ride another mount. He was thrown and killed. Well, it was too bad. I felt that I'd murdered the man. His name was Sandy Bean. Sandy Bean? Is that stable boy at Sunset Stables any relative? His son. Oh. His wife and son ran out of money, and they've had a hard time of it. I've worked as a janitor for the past five years, trying to raise enough money to buy them a horse Uh, to help make up for what I did.
2: How much did you save?
4: Only $1,500. The horse I wanted, a two-year-old named Sure Thing, cost $3,000. Well,
2: things are beginning to clear up now.
4: How did you figure you could take money from Frankie to buy it? Well, Frankie and his friends made a lot of money off Sandy Bean when he rode. I figured it wouldn't hurt them to pay a little of it back.
2: I don't think they'd see it that
4: way. I wasn't stealing the money. I was going to give each of them a 10% of the horse... I didn't dare tell it until after I bought it. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, General Joe, maybe they'll see the light, but I doubt it.
4: I was going to take 10% for training her, give the other 60 to Mrs. Bean and her son Danny. Mm. He'll make a good jockey. And sure thing is a great horse. I know, I know. They'll make a lot of money off of it. It's a noble plan. Tomorrow, my five years is up, and I wanted to give them the horse then. I see. Who
2: wrapped you up when I was talking to you on the phone?
4: Danny was backing a horse into the stable, and it got excited. Started kicking and I was in the way.
2: I thought maybe you'd been done in.
4: I know. That's why I came to see you and explain things. Can you do anything to help me? Well, I. <laughs> all right, Just stand where you are. There's no need yeah. to wave a gun around here. get up, you. Gentle Joe, we've been a- looking for you around and about Now. Nah, now, nah, dinosaur, now nah, look I... at. Oh, we wish to hear from you, Joe. Come along. Look, you're not gonna take him out of here without a fight. And we wouldn't mind this at all, well, in as much as we come equipped with a little artillery. Bones. I didn't steal that money. Shut up! Uh, All right, all right,
2: knock it off. You want some of the sand? Yeah, if you think you can do
1: it.
2: And it turned out they could. I knocked Torelli's gun aside, hit him with a hard left, and he didn't go down. I tried a right, then a knee, then a couple of elbows. I was just getting ahead of the game when something hit me across the face and printed coat forty-five on my forehead. I know this sounds repetitious, but I went out again. Honest, I did. Really. I'm sorry. Appropriately, it was dawn when I woke up, cold and headachy. Of course, I was alone. General Joe Higgins was the victim of a successful snatch, and I had an idea what might have happened to him. I dressed and started looking all over town, but I didn't have any luck, any. It wasn't until I was eating breakfast and met a police sergeant I know that I got a tip. Morning, Sam. Hello, Sergeant. What happened to you? I tried the kisser. I ah, didn't know they made those kind of dames anymore. Why do I sit out? Pleasure. Yeah. We got a homicide this morning. Yeah, Who? Who knows? Just an old man. Found him in the park. Somebody really worked him moving. Well, what do you look like?
0: Ooh.
2: 5'10, white hair, old clothes. Probably a bum. Where is he, morgue? Yeah. Kelsey's putting a rundown on him now. Well, yeah, I'll see you later, Carter. Thanks. Hey, Sam. Haven't finished your breakfast. They let me in the morgue, and I took a look at the corpse. And once I saw it, I knew just where I had to go. I caught a cab out to the Sunset Stables. The horses were just having their rolled oats when I pulled in, and Danny Bean, the stable boy, was there, dressed in his cleanest Levi's. What do you want? Where's the show going to be? Uh, what show? Well, gentle Joe gives you the horses. Isn't this the day? Okay, so you know. Mm-hmm. Gee, I'm sorry
0: about last night, Mr. Spade. I had to keep it a secret. Forget it, forget it. You did the
2: right thing. When's the ceremony?
3: In about an hour, right here. You want to wait?
2: Sure, sure. I wouldn't miss it for the world.
3: Of course, I cheated
2: a little. I didn't tell you who it was I saw in the morgue. The truth was, I didn't know. It wasn't gentle Joe Higgins, though, and so I reasoned thusly, if Torelli and Moulton didn't finish him off in the night, he must have gotten out of it somehow. He was a resourceful old man, and I was sure nothing short of death would keep him from presenting Danny with a horse on the day he planned. And I was right. An hour later, he came walking in leading the prettiest chestnut mare I'd ever seen. There was a smile two feet wide on his face, and behind him, carrying blankets, a saddle, and riding colors were who else? Five dollar Frankie, Dinosaur Torelli, and Bone Smoke. Ah,
4: Well, Mr. Spade, this is a surprise.
2: It's a pleasant one.
4: Yeah, this is sure thing. Oh, isn't she a beauty? She
2: is indeed. How'd you do it, gentle Joe?
4: Well, Mr. Spade, I uh, just invited them over to my place to have a cup of tea you get it yeah Yeah. while we was a half out he explained the whole thing to us sounds like a good deal and me we can win both ways on the
3: track and at the window oh
4: look at the life of that (laughs) horse just waiting to cross the finish line
3: sally boy this is indeed a signal occasion huh This is the first time I have ever been this close to a horse Mm -hmm. and me being a horse player. Well, have you talked to her yet? Why, sure. I am already talking to sure thing and explained to her our financial position. Oh. She has assured me she will romp home first more times than not. Well, gentlemen, shall we do what we came here to do? Sure. Leave us, make the present. Come on, come on. Let's get into business. Give
4: the animal to the kid already. I agree. Danny? Yes, Mr. Higgins? Danny, the four of us are giving you this horse, sure thing... In memory of your father, the late, great Sandy B. Thank you. Thank you, sir.
2: She's a beauty, isn't
4: she? I feel like I was just born. Ride her well, son. Ride her well.
2: And I think he will. Period, end of report. Oh,
1: Sam, I, It was so beautiful. A
2: simple, old-fashioned type story, F. We feel we can use one now and then.
1: And I'm glad nothing happened to anybody. Hmm. Because I just love them all.
2: Everything considered, F., they weren't half bad. Now, uh, how about typing it up?
1: Oh, I'd love to. <laughs>
0: Three chimes mean good times on NBC. There's music and fun in the air tomorrow evening, styled to suit your Saturday night of merriment. Dennis Day brings you songs and comedy in his charming boyish manner, and then Judy Canova gets together with her frolicsome friends for Mountain Melody and Mayhem, followed by Grand Ole Opry with singing MC Red Foley and his gang. It's a Saturday night of fun designed for you.
2: me see now. Mm -hmm. You captured $5 Frankie's peculiar style. Perfect. And that wasn't easy.
1: Oh, Sam, I was just thinking. Oh? We ought to contribute something along with everybody else. Did that horse, you know, that sure thing?
2: I probably will, Effie. A few dollars here, a few there, whenever it's running.
1: Oh, I didn't mean betting. Oh. What I meant is, for example, it's, um, It's going to need a lot of hay, isn't it?
2: Bales and bales.
1: Well, my cousin Frisbee cuts our lawn. I'll have him save the grass and send
2: it to the stable. Effie, you are a noble creature, but I think sure thing can get along without your little lawn.
1: Well, I've seen horses wearing stockings. Couldn't I knit a pair? Two
2: pair, two pair. But, Eff, let's not lose our heads. Five dollar Frankie and his pals will take good care of sure thing. How about worrying about taking care of me?
1: All right, thanks. Yes. Could you use some grass or...
2: Effie, knock off this horse talk, will you? We're almost at the wire now, people are just champing at the bit for the payoff. All Hmm.
1: right, Sam. Let's finish neck and neck, huh?
2: Hmm. Why not? Come here, sure (laughs) thing. Good
1: night, Sam.
2: Good night, sweetheart.
0: Adventures of Sam Spade are produced, edited, and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade was played by Stephen Dunn. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. Wally Mayer was Gentle Joe. Script for tonight's adventure by John Michael Hayes. Musical scoring by Lud Gluskin, conducted by Robert Armbruster. again next week, same time for another adventure with Sam Spade. The fight against heart disease, the greatest killer in America, goes on with increased intensity. But doctors cannot wage this battle alone. They need your help for the eventual control of heart disease through research, education, and community heart programs. Give now to fight heart disease. Send your contribution to heart, H-E-A-R-T, in care of your nearest post office. Join the magnificent Montague, then it's Duffy's Tavern on NBC.